back into the Most Accurate Podcast. I'm Anthony Stalter. Alongside me, as always, is Senior Editor for 444.com, John Paulson. How are you doing today, John? I'm doing uh, I'm doing great today, Anthony. How are you doing? I'm back from vacation. Yeah, are you well-rested? Are you excited? I wouldn't say well-rested. I got <laughs> up at midnight yesterday, Pacific, and got we got back for a 6 a.m. Eastern flight, and then Ooh. we got back in at 9.45 a.m. Wow. Pacific. So I was, I was kind of a zombie. I took a nap yesterday. I was kind of a zombie yesterday, but I'm feeling more like a human being today. Yeah, you're going to need about three days to get that body clock back in order. Absolutely. All right, so I, I was tracking you a little bit on Facebook. I, was, I saw some of the posts that you were doing. I saw one hill. You're going to have to explain this to me. You it looks like you had a drink in one hand. You're going up a hill with a buddy. Is that some high well, school hill a, maybe that you had to run? Yeah, I think, I think it was a water. I don't think I was uh, drinking any alcohol at that point. But, yeah, that's uh, that's the Platteville Hill. So if you go, there's a famous Platteville Hill. Bo Ryan had his teams uh, run up every preseason uh, for conditioning. And we would start with four on a Tuesday, four on a Friday, I think it was Tuesday, Friday. And then the following week could be six, six and then eight, eight and then 10, 10, all the way up to 18 and 18, um, in the final week of conditioning. And it was really brutal. I think it was partly meant for conditioning, partly just to weed out people that aren't serious about making the team. And part of it was just to make you mentally tough because it was brutal. And for those listeners that don't, that aren't aware, John played college basketball for Bo Ryan. Bo Ryan, former Wisconsin basketball coach. You played with him at Wisconsin Platteville? Wisconsin Platteville. It's where the Bears fans might recognize that name of that city because that's where they uh, did their training camp for many years. I actually worked security one summer for the Bears. Um, that's another story. Uh, that's cool. And yeah, I played for Bo there and we won a national championship in uh, my junior year. Uh, we, we got to, to play. Uh, Steve Alford's team, Manchester, they're out of Indiana. They were undefeated. We were undefeated. Was, I think it was the only time that two undefeated teams uh, had played off for a um, national championship. And, uh, yeah, we beat them by, like, 15, I think. So we controlled the game. Uh, That's cool. Way. It got to under 10 a couple times. But, you know, I, I hit a three to, to put it to 12. Or, or yeah, whatever. you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. So uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun, and uh, I got the ring on display over there on the shelf in the in the, in the living room, and uh, it was a great experience playing for Bo. Um, learned a ton about basketball and just uh, about life in general, and made me a lot mentally tougher than I was coming out of high school. That's cool. So John, if you ever meet John Paulson, he's what are you six six five six 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 eight six eight? Yeah, I'm God, six, eight. I shorted you big time. All right, yeah, so six eight, John Paulson. Um, before we dive into the meat and potatoes of the podcast, John, tell us a little bit about the, about the music choice for today. Yes, this is a, a singer by the name of Eli Paperboy Reed, and he is one of these white uh, soul singers. They used to call it Blue, Blue-Eyed Soul back in the day. Um, but he uh, did a cover of a Johnny Cash song, which you might know, God's Gonna Cut You Down. Um, yeah, great tune. So his cover is called just called Cut You Down. It's on his 2016 album, My Way Home. Um, I put it on the uh, most accurate podcast uh, playlist on Spotify. You can find that if you go to our website. There's a link in the bottom of any of the podcast posts. Uh, you can click that link and get to the get to the to get to the playlist and follow that. Um, Eli Paperboy Reed, cut you down. All right, let's dive into some of the news of the week, and you can find. The, the news section, 444.com, you can find it on the, the homepage. I, I, I love it just because it's a, it's basically a feed and you give, uh, I don't know, John, you, I'm sure you contribute to this too, the fantasy impact. There's a fantasy impact section. 
when you're looking at the notes on 44.com. It's a, it's a great yeah. feature. In the, in the summer, I do most of the news. Uh, Scott Pagel uh, just covered it for the last 11 days or so. And uh, some of the fancy impact is, is new, uh, player blurbs that I've written um, for different players. You'll also find those in the rankings. If you go uh, into the projections, you'll see a little uh, little dialog box next to a player name. If there is one, then, then you can click on that. And you can see my basically my thoughts on the player for that season, for this season. Um, uh, and I'm working to try to fill that out so that there's a, a blurb for, for all the players in the, in the top 50 or top 20 or whatever, uh, each position. So as we're looking at the news, I want to start off with Carlos Hyde. It was an interesting note earlier this week from CSN Bay Area that said that Carlos Hyde will have to compete for the 49ers starting job. Matt Mayoko suggested this as well. Basically here, John, you have a 25-year-old Hyde who is a former second-round pick, but Kyle Shanahan's the new head coach there, so it's a it's a new system, new coaching regime. Hyde has some injury history here. His contract status is going to be up in the up in the air, I believe, at the end of the year. I think he, I think he's a free agent. He's a free agent in two years, excuse me. So you know they, they might get a point where they're going to move on from Carlos Hyde. Plus, they drafted Joe Williams in the middle of the draft this year in the fourth round. What should fantasy owners do about this Hyde news? Well, we talked about this, I think, a little bit uh, on a previous episode of the pod. Uh, there was a couple of negative news items about Hyde. Um, the Santa Rosa, Rosa Press Democrat, uh, one of our, one of my readers said that the, the guy who wrote this, and let me pull up his name here, Grant Cohn, uh, is one of the more dramatic, uh, beat writers in 40, you know, uh, the 49ers, uh, beat writer uh, club or whatever, uh, maybe was kind of going a little bit overboard, but he said that Hyde looked like the quote, the slowest and most indecisive running back on the team end quote at uh, OTAs. Uh, as you know, as you well know, uh, OTAs, uh, off season activities, uh, mini camp, that's the time for many, many fluff pieces to be written about all the new players, all the old players, anybody that's on the team, uh, people have lost weight. People have gained weight. People are feeling better. People are fully healthy. Everybody's loving the new system, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I don't pay a whole lot of attention unless there's a series of great um, stories about a player. Uh, I do pay attention, however, when there are negative stories uh, about a player because they are so rare in the offseason to, to read about a player struggling with an injury or looking terrible or whatever. And in this situation, we have uh, Hyde. Uh, playing for a new head coach, um, and he's got to learn the new system. Uh, it's an outside outside uh, zone rush, rushing system for Kyle Shanahan, um, and there are there was already questions prior to this. Uh, I believe John Lynch said something earlier in the off season where he was you know wondering about the fit um, with Hyde, and then they drafted uh, Joe Williams. They traded up uh, to draft him. I don't know if it was the fourth or fifth round. It was the player that. Uh, Kyle Shanahan wanted when they started that day, he was totally focused on getting that player, uh, Joe Williams. And I, I'm at the point where I'm not drafting Hyde really, uh, anywhere. Uh, he'd have to drop into this fifth or sixth round, late fifth, sixth round for me, because there's just too many players I'd rather have ahead of him, like Ty Montgomery or, or whoever, even Doug Martin, um, is in more, uh, is in a safer spot. And I am actively, uh, trying to draft Joe Williams in the 12th, 13th round because I just think the upside 
uh, given the price, it just the signs are pointing to him uh, eventually getting a chance to to run, uh, to be the starter. And if it might turn out to be, you know, just all much ado about nothing, and Hyde learns the system and does well because he is a good running back, and maybe he's able to uh, adjust his approach and looks a lot better uh, in training camp and, and uh, holds off uh, the competition. Uh, he did apparently dominate the first team reps um, at mini camp, so that's a good sign for him. Uh, but I, I'm just not gonna, willing to spend the fourth round price on him uh, right now, given the other options of the position. Let's move on to Detroit and Eric Ebron. He says that he's overly excited about his tweaked 2017 role. This is what he said specifically, quote, it's going to be fun for me. He then uh, added that his usage will allow him to do, quote, things that I'm best at. And, uh, you know, basically with – Anquan Bolden gone. Maybe Eric Ebron will have more of a red zone uh, look this year. John Eric Ebron is a was a high draft pick a couple of years ago that has we've seen him we've seen him flash at times, but he hasn't been that guy that was worthy of a, a top ten pick. Are you excited about Ebron, or is this one of those fluff pieces? Well, I, no, I think that he's uh, has a chance to break out this year, and it is his fourth season, and. Uh, you know, we, we know as a fantasy community that, you know, rookie tight ends generally do not, uh, do much as, as rookies, uh, from a fantasy standpoint. It's very rare. And, and the flip side of that is that we have to be a little bit patient with these guys that are drafted in the first round and don't necessarily tear it up right away. He had 25 catches for 248 yards and one touchdown as a rookie. And then as a, as a sophomore, 47 for 537 and five. So all those numbers are higher. Uh, 11.4 yards per catch as a sophomore, 9.9 as a rookie. And then uh, in his third year, 61 catches, 711 yards, uh, and one touchdown. So everything but the touchdowns uh, went up again. Uh, yards per catch, 11.7. His catch percentage went up from 67% to 71.8%. Uh, so he's improved his game, and he's still just turning 24. Uh, he came into the league very young as a 21 year old tight end and, uh, you know, predictably struggled. Uh, and this year with Bolden gone, uh, Calvin Johnson obviously gone uh, a whole year, uh, his red zone role should improve. And, you know, the, the one touchdown last year was kind of an aberration. I would think that the positive regression would have him up at five or six or more this year. And if he does that, then he's going to be definitely, uh, in, in the hunt for a top 12 top 10 finish and he finished uh 12th and 14th based on the uh, scoring system last year. So he's already in position to do that. Uh, on top of that, you have the injury. He's only played 13, 14, 13 games the last three years. So if he can put together a full season, 15, 16 games, that'll help him as well. Um, I think you get into the, where he's being drafted, this is pick one Oh six and MFL tens. Um, that's a good area if you don't have a tight end yet to to grab your tight end because you it's like the ninth eighth ninth round you have Delani Walker going with pick ninety five you have Zach Ertz pick ninety seven Martellus Bennett ninety seven Ebron one hundred six and then Jack Doyle one thirteen that's about it in terms of who I would want to start uh, in, in the low end of the TE one uh, type rankings so uh, Ebron's definitely on my radar there in the eighth ninth round if I don't already have somebody like Travis Kelsey on my roster. And since we're talking about tight ends, John Lynch was praising tight end George Kittle, saying that he has really flashed uh, during some off-season practices, OTAs. John Lynch told KNBR 
that he's, quote, really flashy, he being George Kittle. He's got some suddenness to his movements. He catches the ball extremely well. George gives us something we don't have as a playmaker down in the red zone. He is that guy who can win one-on-one. He can impose uh, his will and out-athlete people. He's exceeded our expectations. Are you buying the George Kittle hype? Well, we just talked about uh, rookie tight ends. Um, so I, I'm not running out and drafting George Kittle. I'm not running out and drafting OJ Howard or, uh, Ingram or Yoku, uh, Joku. In, in, in Joku. <laughs> in Juku. In Joku. Uh, I might have to draft them in this, uh, Scott Fishbowl league that I'm in because we'll talk about that a little bit later because it's tied down premium, premium, double premium, super premium. Uh, but, uh, Kittle, he is challenging for a starting job and it looks like Vance McDonald is vulnerable. I mean, they have not talked about him like he is uh, entrenched there as a starter. They did give him a new contract, I think, but that was the previous regime. Um, So that doesn't necessarily bode well uh, for Vance McDonald. He's 27, had some decent plays last year, but still only finished with uh, 391 yards last year, 326 yards in 2015. So, uh, he's got the uh, the contract through 2021. Uh, you wonder if John Lynch will just cut bait at some point with that um, and turn the keys over to Kittle because it sounds like uh, you know he's he's saying that Kittle is uh, a red zone threat that they just don't have on the roster. So you know they may want to have him in there and in, in the red zone uh, high leverage situations. And if he can pick up the other intricacies of the position, he, he could end up with a, a decent fantasy year. But, you know, I would expect that ceiling to be as a tight end two, not as a tight end one. All right. I do want to get to that Scott Fishbowl League that you're in, John. But first, fantasy football fans, listen up. If you love fantasy football, then you need to try these new best ball leagues on our new favorite app. It's called Draft. It's a season-long league. Just like you play with your friends, but with no management. Just set it and forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. Draft takes care of all the hard work for you. You don't even have to set your lineup. Your best score gets automatically selected every single week. So you can draft the team anytime you want. Leagues start every couple of minutes, so you can join one right now, in fact. And the best part? There are no salary caps, and you can play for cold, hard cash. Leagues start from just $3, so there's leagues for everyone. If you're a novice player, no problem. If you're a more experienced player, great. You can play for bigger money. It's so easy to start playing draft today. Just go to playdraft.com backslash 4 for 4. That's playdraft.com, the number 4, F-O-R, the number 4, and you can join a game in minutes. All new players get free entry into a best ball draft when you make your first deposit. But you have to use our promo code, which is 4 for 4. That's right. Play real money. And then you could just set it up. You could use it for free, too. Oh, I'm sorry. that You play for real money for free just for using our promo code, which is 4 for 4. Number 4, F-O-R, number 4. All right, John, let's talk about Scott Fishbowl. 720 teams, 60 divisions. It's a 22-round super flex league, so you could start two quarterbacks. It features point per first down, rushing and receiving, while tight ends get a bonus one and a half points per first down for rushes and receiving. You were talking about it earlier, how it's kind of a tight end focused league. Tell us about the the scoring, four for four projections, everything. 
Well, the reason I want to talk about this league, and I know like sometimes listeners will be like, well, John, why is John talking about one of his drafts? Because um, it's not really fun to listen to people talk about the drafts. But this is a, a special league that uh, Scott Fish has put on. This is the seventh iteration of it. As you mentioned, 720 teams. So you may have, if you're, if you're active on fantasy Twitter, you'll, you will have seen people talking about this, uh, hashtag SFB7. Um, and the reason I'm really into it this year, I was kind of on the fence of whether or not I was going to get into it again. It is fun, a lot of fun, but I, Scott reached out and wanted to talk to me about changing up the scoring for it. He knew I was a big advocate of point for, per first down. And so he ended, he, uh, included that in his scoring. He wanted to change things up and he has a, a point for first down rushing and receiving, uh, not for passing. Uh, and then tight ends get an extra bonus of 1.5. So they actually get 2.5, uh, points per first down, uh, receiving. Uh, so tight ends to get a boost in scoring there and it gets a little tight end crazy. Um, so I can talk a little bit about that, my strategy later. Um, but the thing I like about it is that it's, it's super flex. It's basically a two quarterback league that boosts the, the quarterback uh, importance. Um, the, the bonus for tight ends boosts the tight end bonus. I think I probably would have, uh, instead, uh, required people to start two tight ends instead of changing the scoring for them. So that, that, that's what uh, makes them, un, uh, raises their demand. Um, but, uh, other than that, it's, it's really kind of a wacky every year. It's the scoring is such that it's pretty wacky. Uh, the drafts, it's not your typical, uh, 12 team PPR league where you've got, uh, you know, two rounds of running backs and wide receivers going. And then finally a quarterback might go in round three. It's, it's nothing like that. It's, uh, you've got multiple quarterbacks going in the first two rounds, multiple tight ends going in the first two rounds. You've got uh, wide receiver ones going in the, you know, good ones going in the fifth, sixth, seventh round. Um, so it, it is one of those crazy drafts and no two drafts are, are that similar either. So it, it make, that makes it fun. John, I'm looking at your draft right now and I see that you took from the fourth spot, you took Tom Brady in the first, Jordan Reed in the second, Leonard Fournette, the rookie in the third, Andy Dalton in the fourth. What was your plan for the early part of the draft? You, obviously two quarterbacks in those first four picks. Yeah, the quarterbacks are in a, in a in a super flex league like this. The scoring for the quarterbacks is pretty significant. Six points per pass touchdown, by the way. Uh, so Tom Brady jumped off the page as my number one quarterback uh, with Brandon Cooks uh, joining the fold there. Um, I think he's going to have a career year, or close to a career year. Um, and then I, I took Reed in the second because uh, I was planning to take Travis Kelsey in the second, and a lot of the mocks he'd been going – uh, closer to the second, third turn, or even in the third round. But uh, my draft turned out to be really uh, tight end crazy. Uh, both Gronk and Kelsey went uh, in the uh, at the end of the first round or the early second round. So I was kind of stuck thinking um, I might miss out on a uh, top four tight end. I wanted Reed or Olsen here. I normally would take Olsen because he's, you know, not as big, as big of a, uh, a injury risk um, as Jordan Reed is. But uh, I decided to go with Reed because I'm trying to beat 719 other teams and I, I had to go for high variance, uh, biggest upside. So I, and Olsen's got this contract thing going on. Um, and then all the other passing, uh, uh, targets there with McCaffrey, uh, and Godwin or not Godwin, the other rookie, uh, joining the, uh, the team there, uh, I was worried a little bit about Olsen's target. So I took Reed there in the, in the second round, which I, which I think was a little bit early, a little bit of a reach, but not, 
so much compared to the ADP. And the third round, I wanted uh, to try to grab a running back. I was glad that Fournette uh, fell to me there at uh, 304. And then the fourth round, you started to see, I mean, by the time I picked in the fourth round, there's already 16 quarterbacks off the board. Uh, I didn't want to get stuck uh, with uh, a guy 20, 25 range as my number two quarterback. And I really like Andy Dalton this year, uh, given his value. And he has a top five upside if he could stay healthy uh, with AJ Green uh, back and uh, the addition of John Ross in the pack in the passing game and, and Joe Mixon as well. Moving on, John. You took T.Y. Yes. Hilton in the fifth, Mari Cooper in the sixth, Spencer Ware in the seventh, and then Derrick Henry in the eighth, and you just took your third quarterback. That was Alex Smith in the ninth. So what was your strategy here for the middle rounds? Well, the, the consequence of all these quarterbacks and, and uh, tight ends going in the first four rounds, that pushes a lot of these really good receivers into the fifth and sixth round. And for me to get Hilton, who normally is going in, a, in the second round of a PPR draft or Cooper – same thing, second round, getting them in the fifth and sixth round as my number one, number two receivers. I didn't feel like I really missed out on anything at, rec- at receiver. They were the ninth and 13th receivers <clears throat> off the board, excuse me. And then at that point, I had to do something at, at, at running back. And uh, I still am a big fan of Spencer Ware, um, Joe Hoka, who, who does the rushing expectation um, for us at four for four, he's done his research on where from last year and was came away really impressed, even though, uh, where, where his production kind of dropped in the second half of last season. Uh, some of that had to do, uh, with the, with the Chiefs losing an offensive lineman. Um, his stock is down because they, they drafted a rookie there as well. But, uh, I think where is going to hold on to that job. Um, and so I've got him as my RB two. And then in the eighth round, I normally would have taken, uh, if I'm just in a 12 team league trying to win it. I would have taken uh, Frank Gore there probably in the eighth round. Uh, but I think Derrick Henry, if, if, if there's an injury to DeMarco Murray, then he could be a league winning, uh, or at least a division winning pick for me. Uh, so again, that's similar to the Jordan Reed play where, uh, if something happens, uh, like in the case of Reed, he plays 16 games. In the case of Henry, uh, something happens to Murray. Uh, I've all, all of a sudden got a top 10 running back, a, a third one on my. Uh, or, or, you know, a top 10 running back on my team, uh, who can roll out there with my, with my good lineup and my top quarterback and all that. So in the ninth round, I wanted to, to, to grab a number of different players, but, uh, I felt like I had to grab Alex Smith because, uh, quarterbacks were just getting dry and I wanted to have a third one, uh, so that when I, when Brady or, or Dalton go on by, I'm able to, I'm able to start, uh, uh, a quarterback in that position instead of leaning on a different position. Uh, so now I, I could forget about, forget about the quarterback position for us to the draft and just load up on uh, running backs, wide receivers and tight ends. You're a little light on Packers and Falcons, but otherwise it looks like yeah. a pretty good draft. I would say I'm really light on Packers and Falcons. That's <laughs> probably good. good. None of them. Yeah, this is probably good. <laughs> all right. That's all the time that we have for today. John, are we doing a pod next, next Wednesday as well? Yes, every every Wednesday here through the start of the season, and I also want to announce that I'm going to do. Uh, there's going to be some bonus episodes uh, dropping here, starting in um, hopefully late late this month and into August, where I'm going to interview uh, a number of different fantasy analysts from different sites and uh, go over 2017 draft strategy, uh, things that they're noticing about this year uh, that's different than different year other years, uh, what what uh, sleepers they like, etc. And those should be about 30 minutes. Uh, I'm hoping to do two a week here starting at the end of the month uh, with some different guys that uh, I know 
uh, via Twitter and I've met at FSTA and, and friends of the program and all that. So we won't have Anthony on for that because he, uh, uh, we'll give him a break in terms of having to facilitate uh, the conversation between two analysts who like to talk a lot. Uh, <laughs> and he doesn't get, doesn't have to talk uh, quite as much, but, uh, yeah, that should uh, look for that, uh, starting uh, late July, uh, early, uh, early August. No, that'll be a lot of fun. I, I do enjoy when you get with other hosts. I I miss out on the, all the fun, but I do enjoy listening to you. And uh, when you pair up with uh, with another guest, it's always a lot of fun. So if you want to follow John Paulson on Twitter, you can do so at four for four underscore John. I don't know why I screwed that up last week, John. That rolled off the tongue again. It was just one yeah. of those brain farts, I guess, for one day. Uh, you can follow me at Anthony Stalter if you're so inclined. Check out all of John's great work at four for four dot com and make sure if you uh if you missed out even if you missed out on that pro- promo code for last week that you still go on and get a subscription check out all of john's great rankings throughout the course of the year and we've got all kinds of great content as well dfs everything at 444.com that's it we'll see you next wednesday you may run on for a long time run on for a long time